If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at Value City Furniture or designerlooks.com. G'day everyone, Lauren Cress here. Hope you're doing well. Uh, okay, this episode is late, I know, but to try to make up for it, I'm going to do a double episode, which is also a little bit of a cop-out <laughs> because I'm going to do a double episode for last Monday and this coming Monday and combine it into one super episode, hopefully super, hope you enjoy it. Um, before we get into that and what today's show is about, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. I pay my respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples living and working on the land today, the land that always was and always will be Aboriginal land. So, all right, I got an excuse for why this episode is so late. Um, For people who have listened to this podcast before, I'm going to like spend the next few minutes giving you an update on my life. Um, So if you're new and you're like here because you're like, this seems like a good topic, and you don't want to hear about my personal life because you're like, I don't know who the fuck you are, feel free to skip forward a few minutes. You're welcome to do that. If you want to hear a bit about my life, feel free to stay. Um, So uh, it's kind of related to the theme today, right? So I want to talk about the toxic workplace. I want to talk about this use of the word entitlement um, and the problems with that word uh, that I have. And... um, well, not the problems with that word, just more like how that has been manipulated into controlling people. Um, so we'll talk about that. Uh, but what got me thinking about some of this stuff is uh, to do with some things that are happening in my personal life. Uh, so, dun, 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 drum roll, please. I am now in my first ever lesbian relationship, which is very exciting for me. I'm very happy. Um, and it got me thinking about entitlement. It got me thinking about the fact that it's okay for us to want to be treated well, and it's okay for us to want to, um, be cared about. And it's okay for us to want to have a, um, relationship where we feel like we're getting everything we need out of it. Right. Um, that might sound weird. Sorry, I'm just juggling my cat in my hands while I'm talking. <laughs> the microphone's going everywhere. Um, but yeah, I was just like on a walk and I've been kind of wanting to have some inspiration for this episode. And I'm just in that like phase of a relationship where I am very, very like consumed by it and I haven't really experienced this before. And that is legitimately why this episode is late, um, which I kind of think is super cute. <laughs> maybe you don't so um anyway that's that's what's that's what's happening um for me what did I write down I wrote down you're not entitled for wanting to be treated well and I don't think you're entitled for wanting to have a loving relationship in your life I don't think you're entitled um like entitled in the way that we use it now right so we have this way of talking about entitlement like 
oh, they're so fucking entitled. Like they just think that everything should be served to them on a silver platter. Like we talk about entitlement like that and it's connected with all of this kind of shame stuff. But actually what entitlement means dictionary-wise is the fact of having a right to something. And I think that um, I was thinking about this in terms of a relationship, like in a relationship with someone else, you have the right to be treated well in that relationship. Um, And you should also, that other person has the right to be treated well, right? With respect and kindness and all of those good things. Um, But when I've been having all these conversations with people um, because I've like come out and because I'm, you know, getting divorced and all this kind of stuff. Um, I've been having all these conversations with people and what I've found is like, so for me, my, you know, um, reason, and I've talked about this before on the show, for ending my relationship was because I realized I was gay and I just couldn't have the connection that I wanted to have or that I believed existed that I had never really experienced. Um, but it's, you know, it's really complicated and I'll probably do a separate episode about that sometime. Um, but if you're interested more in that, I have done a episode relatively re- recently on am I a lesbian or am I bisexual, which kind of I talk about some of these things. So with, what was I saying? But as I've been sharing this stuff and talking to friends and family and, and things like that, um, what I've found is that it's actually raised all these other issues for myself, my experiences in past relationships and for the people I'm talking to. And it's not just about sexuality and sexual orientation. What I've been finding in a lot of conversations that I've had is there's like, there's some people who like now, when I talk about the current sort of relationship I'm in, they're like, oh yeah, like that's how I felt with, you know, this person. And it's like amazing. But, you know, with other people I didn't. And Um, what I'm kind of finding is that there's other people who are like, I've never experienced that, you know, and it could be, um, a sexuality thing, but it could also just be that there are the relationship that they're in isn't meeting their needs in other ways. Right. So it's not like the only reason emotional needs aren't met is because you're with someone of the wrong gender, you know, like, I mean, I'm saying something is pretty obvious, but I feel like I need to just make that clear, right? Like there's, this is so complex. There's so many layers to it. Um, for me, I just find I can't connect with men on a certain level. And also there's so much physically that's missing from that type of relationship. Um, and I'm just so happy and excited that, um, yeah, I'm just with someone who, treats me very well and who I am just totally crazy about. Like it's, it's really nice. It's really nice. Um, So now if you were someone who fast forwarded, yep, that's it. That's kind of my little personal life update and I'm very happy. Um, And I just, I guess I was thinking about this idea of like, what do we think we deserve you know, in our personal lives, in our professional lives. And I want to start off talking more about the personal life stuff. And then we'll talk more about like the, the, the workplace stuff and specifically like the remote workplace, right? Because that adds a new layer of complexity there as well. Um, I know some people are doing like hybrid, some people still are going into work, but for the majority of us here in Sydney and in Melbourne, 
a lot of us are at home. So I felt like that was really relevant to talk about too. So maybe I should ask a question, you know, like I've asked this question before, but I I was talking about in relation to myself. If I said to you, like, what do you need to be taken care of? Right. I was like, write a job description. I want you to write a job description for someone to be able to take care of you. That They need to make sure you tell them all the things, all the things they need to do to take care of you physically, emotionally, um, mentally. We could say spiritually depends on how you define that. Like the way I think of spiritually is just like, um, you know, I guess, having this concept of some something greater than yourself. It's like Brene Brown's definition. You know, this idea, this belief in like there's things outside of yourself that are greater than yourself, you know. Um, so it doesn't, doesn't have to be religious. Uh, but someone who can take care of you on all these different levels. Or we could use like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So who's taking care, like how would someone take care of every level of the Maslow's hierarchy. And we've gone through that before. Um, and if you're interested in finding out more about that, I'll put a link in the show notes as well. So, um, at the very top, at the very top, once we think about things like, you know, um, meaning your physical needs, your biological needs, your relationship needs, um, at the very top of financial needs, all that kind of stuff, who, how do you get, taken care of so that you can grow and develop as a person so that you can really be inspired to be the best version of yourself, to be self-actualized. What are all those things that you need in order to do that? Now, it's not an easy question to answer, right? But if you think about it, we answer lots of difficult questions all the time. Like if we had to write a job description for something else, we would sit down, we'd spend a few hours and we'd go, okay, I'm going to write a job. What are all, let me map this out. Let me get whiteboard this. Let me brainstorm. What are all the things that we need for someone to do this job well? What are all the things that we need for um, client success? What are all the things that we, we can do that, right? Even when we're thinking about things like the house we want to buy or the furniture we want to buy or our shopping list, right? Like we have to sit down and think about it. What do I actually need in my home to like take care of myself? right? But for some reason, I don't think a lot of us spend time actually looking at like, what do I need as a person? And like, I would just start with that question, like, cause it's really overwhelming to, um, start with like a blank piece of paper. But if you ask yourself that question, right, like maybe journal it or something. So you've got a starting place. What do I need to be happy, fulfilled and well? What are the things that I need in my life for that to happen? Um, so we, we have talked about this, so I don't want to harp on about it too much, just aware that there could be new listeners. So um, w- what I think is really interesting about this is I think that we have a bunch of avoidant tactics for not allowing us to even think about ourselves like that. Like, you know, if I said write that down for your partner, for your sibling, for your child, you know, it would probably be easy for your dog, for your cat. It would probably be easier, right? Because it's like you're thinking about someone else. But actually when we do this for ourselves, we're better at also looking after other people 
and other animals in our life too, right? Like if we're being compassionate to ourselves, we're much better at being compassionate with other people too. So this idea that like, oh, no, I can't do that for me. It's so self-indulgent. It's so entitled. It's so selfish um, isn't really helpful. It's actually an avoidant tactic. It's a way of us kind of not taking a closer look at what we need for whatever reason. There could be a bunch of reasons. Um, So I'm not talking so much about like why that's happening. I'm just saying don't worry about why, just do it anyway. (laughs) Like don't let the avoidance stop you. You know, if you're kind of feeling resistance to that, it's like there could be so many reasons for that. But it's what I'm saying is there's a really good reason to do that. And we do it for a lot of things. So sitting down going, okay, what do I need to take care of myself? Or if I was telling someone else to take care of me, what would I tell them? That these are the things I would need to know. Um, And then have a look at on that again how you're dividing that up, right? So if you're like, oh, I've covered a lot of physical needs, like, you know, I need water and food and um, exercise and things like that, then you you want to make sure you're balancing that out as well. So I'm just going to read out. There's now seven, I think, levels of Maslow's hierarchy. Um, I'm just looking it up. Um, seven levels. Yeah, it used to be five. All right, so we've got – so what you want to make sure is you've got a mix of all these things. Have you thought about your biological and physiological needs? Have you thought about your safety needs? Have you thought about your belongingness and love needs? Have you thought about your esteem needs? So things like – and this we'll get to this in a second with the work stuff as well – achievement, status, responsibility, reputation – Cognitive needs, so knowledge, meaning, self-awareness. Aesthetic needs, um, so those are things like beauty, form, you know, what looks nice and then um, or smells nice, all those kinds of things. And then self-actualization, so personal growth and fulfillment. Oops, sorry, that was my phone. Um, Okay, so... Have you got a mix of all of those things? If you, if I went through that too fast, literally just go Google Maslow's hierarchy, seven levels. And that might even be, you could even use that. Maybe I should do a template for this. I might do a template for this. And once I do it, I'll put it in the show notes as well. But like just have the pyramid and then write down what you need for each of those levels. That might be good if you're kind of feeling like, I don't know where to start. Um, yeah, I'll do like a series of questions and I'll also do like a little template that you can fill out. That's probably that's probably going to be helpful, I think. Let me just write that down so I don't forget because this is how I roll now, guys. <laughs> I just write it while I'm here. Um, okay. So we've got, we've got this resistance, and I will talk about it a little bit, but I'm not going to talk about why because, like I said, it could be a bunch of things. It could be that any one of those needs and this is how we can get stuck right this is the this is the challenge is it's like if we're not feeling fulfilled right and we're not meet those needs aren't being met that can also be the reason for us not to look at this right so for instance if you're not if you don't have a loving partner who says like you're super important and i really care about you and i'm going to show you what it feels like to be cared about 
if we don't have that and we don't have someone treating us like that, then it's almost like we can think we're not worth it. Like, like I'm not worth this because maybe we're putting a lot of, um, a lot of focus on someone else telling us we're worth it. And that's where we're at. And so that need is not, not being met. And then that actually makes it harder for us to go, I need this. You know, it's like a kind of almost like we don't know what we're missing out on or we don't believe we're good enough to get it. Another thing could be like if we're getting a lot of like bullying at work or we're getting a lot of crit- criticism, like negative feedback doesn't work. So if, if you've got people at work who are giving you negative feedback, that's actually on them, not on you. Like we all make mistakes at work. We all fuck up, right? That's just a given. So if someone's giving you all this criticism that's actually their poor management skills. That's not, that's their problem, right? So they're blaming you for something going wrong. And then instead of figuring out how to teach you or how to make sure that mistake doesn't happen again. So if that's what is happening and we're getting all this criticism and we're being made to feel like we're not capable of doing certain things, then maybe our cognitive needs aren't being met. So maybe we're not and our self-growth needs and our self-actualization isn't being met, right? And it's like because we're missing it, we don't see it. We're like, oh, like, well, I'm really shit at my job, so, like, there's no way I could continue developing my career because I'm finding this hard enough. But it's like, well, you're not having that need met. People aren't around you encouraging you or you haven't got teachers and mentors in place to help you, you know. Um, I think also, you know, a lot of this, I'm talking about the external, I'm talking about people around you and that's because of the focus of this episode. So I don't want it to be that it sounds like what I'm saying is like everyone else needs to change around you and then it's great. What I want to help you identify is where there is toxicity and then we'll talk about what you can do about it because ultimately If we're like relying on other people to change, we're going to be very disappointed, right? But we also need to recognize what's happening around us that is causing us not to feel that our needs are met. Okay. I feel like out of breath. I went for a walk before and I'm like, I think I'm still on a bit of a like feeling pumped kind of thing. And I'm just realizing I'm talking a little bit faster than I wanted to be. I think I also, honestly, guys, I think it's like I feel a bit nervous sharing like the fact that I'm like in a relationship weirdly, which is so weird for me because. If you look around, there are so many ways to make a difference. At Capella University, our FlexPath format gives you a different way to earn your degree. Take courses at your speed. Move on whenever you're ready. Education should fit your life. Learn more at capella.edu. When you look into Discover Student Loans, what you see might surprise you. We can help cover your college costs, don't charge you fees, and give you cash rewards for good grades. Ready to apply? Visit discoverstudentloans.com. Limitations apply. I quite like sharing stuff here, right? (laughs) Like, it's very cathartic for me. But I think it's like such a um, different feeling that I actually feel really, like, vulnerable, like, not in a bad way, like in a nice way, but I'm like, I'm just not usually this open and I'm not usually this, like I, I've always been like, I'm so not a romantic, like whatever. 
Like I don't get it. I don't get how people are all mushy and I'm like super mushy. (laughs) So I feel a bit like I think it's like I started the podcast talking about that and now I feel like a little bit vulnerable like, oh, wow, yeah, I'm like that person, how cliche. It's like I'm being a bit self-critical, which I totally don't need and that's totally not self-care and I think I need to just acknowledge that and be a bit kinder to myself. Okay, I'm going to have some water. One sec. All right. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's what I was feeling. Um, so I think, like, okay. So, so basically, I'm talking more about the personal, but we are starting to. You can probably hear. I'm also bringing in the professional a little bit, but let's keep it on the personal for a little bit longer. And then we'll move to professional because one thing that you might have identified as I was reading through Maslow's hierarchy of needs, or if you're looking at this on your phone while you're listening, awesome, because it'll be easier to follow along, is that a lot of the like sort of base level needs, right? Like the things that you kind of like, this really has to be taken care of or like where that, you know, if only our biological needs are being met, right? We're really in survival mode. Um, But if we're not eating, if we're starving, it's very hard for us to focus on those other things. Like are my cognitive needs being met? It's like I'm spending all day trying to eat, you know, I'm in survival mode. Um, So a lot of those base requirements are, it's almost like that's what we need like a job for, right? Um, but we'll go oh, a job kind of like make sure that I have like money. Like, yes, of course, like ideally it would be great if it could have all of these other things, but I need to get fed. Right. And during COVID, that's been the case for a lot of people. It's like, this might not be my dream job, but it's a job. My family's okay. I'm okay. Right. Um, or it could be, um, like if we're thinking about love, right? And relationships, then if that's not sort of taken care of, then it's very hard to start thinking about like, how am I going to continue growing as a person when we're feeling like just to like get through the day with what's happening in our relationships is so emotionally draining. It's going to be very hard for us to like be the best version of ourselves, you know? And that could be like there's so many challenges with that, right? It could be like we're caring for someone who's sick or um, not fully abled, you know. So that's a big that's a big uh, resource requirement from us to to get through that. So again, it's like if I'm pouring a lot of resources into taking care of someone who's unwell, then it's very hard for me to you know think about. Um, how I could start a business, for instance, right? Like, because that's another huge resource intensive thing. So um, there's things that are within our control and there's also things that are outside of our control. And we might pull levers on different things depending on where we're at, you know? So for instance, for me, um, I was a lot easier on myself in terms of work achievements while I was going through moving all of my stuff down to um Sydney, you know, and I didn't podcast for, for a few, um, weeks as I was sort of like adjusting to that. 
And so I was like, it's just too many things, you know. So I wanted to talk about some of this stuff because I think this is part of like the other health crisis that's happening right now, you know. Um, The other health crisis that's happening is a mental health crisis. We've got, and, and it's not that we didn't, I was talking to my mate about this this morning. It's not that like, I mean, she made this point, like it's not that mental health was fine before. It's not that it's like, oh, we have, we all have this amazing, uh, we all have amazing mental health and everything's going well. It's just that at like mental health is, a, is challenging for, for everyone, right? It's, it's like the same with physical health, you know, it's challenging. It, it, it takes a lot to be fit. It takes a lot to be fit. It takes a lot to be mentally fit too, but it's really hard when you add more stresses on top of it. And now we're sort of seeing that collectively happen to a lot of people, varying degrees of um, stress on our mental health, um, depending on our situation. But it's put a, a collect. There's a collective strain there. So it's like there's there is and there will continue to be more and more mental health issues that we see arise. And what I think is really important for us to consider in terms of the context of thinking about being purpose-driven, right, is that we actually have a responsibility to take care of our own mental health because if we don't take care of our own mental health, it's very hard for us to then help other people as well. So it's kind of like I was actually thinking about it's almost analogous to the vaccine, Right. It's like we have a responsibility for those who are like eligible to be vaccinated because there are some people who like for various reasons may not be actually able to to get vaccinated. So for everyone who can get vaccinated, it's like we have a responsibility to do that, to take care of our health, but also our collective health. Right. And like I'm not an expert, like if you want to find out more about that stuff. I just want to like <laughs> responsible podcasting, go and look at the New South Wales health advice, right? Like people need to make their own decisions. I believe for me, being a healthy young person who is fully able of getting vaccinated, I would feel unethical about not doing that. I would feel very unethical about not doing that. And I think it's like the same with mental health stuff. What we can do is we can like palm it off and kind of go like, oh, so many people have it worse than me. Like I'm, you know, I'm not at my wits end. I'm not going to go and do something really drastic. So it's fine, right? Like it's totally fine. But think about the fact that like if you're really stressed and you're really, or if I'm really stressed, like I do this, right? If I'm really stressed, I'm not happy, things are difficult, like that's going to impact the people around me. And that might exacerbate their mental health issues too. So I could walk into a shop and be really rude to someone and then that affects their day and then that gets passed on to someone else, right? So, and like one or two, like I've worked in customer service before, one or two really bad negative experiences with people who are just like having a bad day can actually really affect your day. And it, it like it does affect other people. It really does. Um, and it affects people to varying levels, right? The better their mental health is, the less likely it's going to affect them. And it, like literally, <laughs> that's, this is why like vaccines in general, that, that's a good analogy, right? Because the way vaccines work is like, it's like 
everyone who possibly can get vaccinated needs to for vaccines to be as effective as possible, right? Because that's not, um, it's not something where it's like, oh, you get 100%, I'm 100% bulletproof from getting vaccinated. It's the same with our mental health. Like I'm not 100% bulletproof if I've got good mental health, but it certainly helps, right? The same with like being fit, being healthy, like not smoking, not drinking too much. Like those kinds of things mean that like, we're less likely to get cancer. We're less likely to get, oh God, I've really got to be careful with what I'm saying because I'm not at all <laughs> making <laughs> making statements about health. Like you can, like I know people who've, who've gotten really sick and have taken care of themselves, right? So there's no 100% silver bullet to any problem. But what I'm saying is like, we pass on things like we, we need to be aware of the fact that like how we treat ourselves and how well we take care of ourselves affects other people. So if I've got more chance of getting a virus, then I've also got more chance of spreading that virus. And if that person who I'm around, who I come into contact with, there'll be lots of people, but the people I come into contact with who've protected themselves they've got less chance of passing that on, right? And the more, so the more people who have less chance of passing something on, the collectively more well a society is going to be. And that's what I'm saying about mental health. That's my point. That's my point. (laughs) I'm saying that like, if I take care of my mental health and someone else is taking care of their mental health, and let's say that one of us is having a bad day, it's less likely to keep spreading because it's like I just go, oh, they're having a bad day. They were a bit rude, whatever, because I've got good mental health. And also they might apologize as well because they've got good mental health and they're feeling like aware of that, right? But if we've suddenly got like two people who are really depleted and one person walks in, they're having a really bad day, they really take it out of me, on me, I get really upset, I start yelling at them, it carries on to all the people that I'm around in my workplace or whatever, or back to my family, then they're affected. It's like spreads a lot more. So I wanted to say that because I think that we need to not shrug off mental health. We need to not shrug off mental health. We need to see that taking care of ourselves is becoming part of the solution. It's not entitled. It's not selfish. It's not indulgent to take care of our mental health. It's responsible and it's adult behavior. Um, and there are also benefits to us that extend to how well we can do. So there's a collective benefit and there's an individual benefit, right? So again, like if you're, if you're having something that's protecting your body, then yeah, there's a selfish reason to do that, right? Selfish is in like, I will be better off by taking care of myself. Sure. But it's also collective. So I don't know if I'm harping on about this too much. Maybe I am. Um, it's just that I I see the reason I'm going into this so much is what I've seen is a lot of people be really resistant to mental health solutions. So it's like, oh, I don't really want to see a counsellor um, or I don't really want to talk to a coach or I don't really want to read any books about this. And I get the resistance. And I'm not saying that any one of those solutions is the right thing for for a particular person. But like there are 
if, if we just start prioritizing it, we will find the solution that works best for us. So if we go, this is really important. My mental health is really important. It's not just affecting me. It's affecting everyone in my life. Then we might start taking it a bit more seriously, you know. Um, and if you've been around people who are toxic, like I have um, in your past, whether it was a parent, whether it was an ex, um, I think a lot of us have had those interactions. Um, it really does have a big impact on your life. So that person being toxic or that person being not mentally healthy actually causes burnout for the people around them, you know, or it causes issues. I mean, it has a huge impact on children, you know. Um, so we have a responsibility to, it's not just about um, not having toxic behaviors, but also to really t- take like optimum care of ourselves uh, mentally, I believe. So now let's like talk a little bit about work. So firstly, the, the selfish reason to take care of like our mental health is actually people who are more emotionally intelligent and mentally healthy actually make more money. Like they're more likely to make money. They're more likely to get promoted. There's some really interesting statistics here. Um, go and have a look at it because I ha- oh, I'll, I'll pull some up. Um, but it's like actually incredible the difference that emotional intelligence makes to our individual success. And it's not surprising, right? Because if we're good communicators, we're good at resolving conflict, we're good at listening, it makes sense that it's going to be easier for us to take on leadership roles. It's, it makes sense that people are also going to trust us and feel safe around us. And if people feel safe around us, then they can do their work, right? They're not going to be scared about like, doing something wrong and like freezing and not being productive. So it makes sense that like having emotional intelligence and being able to um, do that, you know, is, is related to, to success. But then again, it's like that has such a like that has such an amazing trickle down effect. So um yeah, hang on. I'm trying to multitask. I cannot multitask. So <laughs> I'm just going to – I don't know if you've noticed, for people who have been listening for a while, like I've just given up on like editing the show. So I just kind of got – like when I said before, uh, I'm just going to like drink – I'm just going to have a drink of water. Like usually I, I wouldn't do that. I'd like pause it and like drink the water and then start again. But I just – I don't know. It feels more um, – it feels more – I guess, authentic and just easy to just, it's like I'm having, if I was chatting with you in my living room, this is how I would talk, right? I wouldn't like pause stuff. So it also interrupts my um, flow a bit. Um, So emotional impact on earning. That's what I'm looking up. So, I mean, this just says individuals with high emotional intelligence were more likely to have established a mentoring relationship, which in turn was positively related to salary. Emotional intelligence was also more strongly related to salary at higher compared to lower job levels. So that also makes sense and probably important for us to keep in mind that if you're emotionally intelligent but you're in a um, lower level job, it's not going to have the same impact on salary and that's important for us to keep in mind. Um, okay. So that wasn't a stat, but anyway, there's some really interesting stats. I'll see if I can find some. 
Um, so we talked a little bit about entitlement, right? Like having a right to something. And I was thinking about the fact that like, this was such a like overused word for people in my generation, like call like I'm a millennial, right? And we've been called entitled a lot, right? There's like, oh, millennials, they're so entitled. They just want to like walk into a job and like get promoted straight away and blah, 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 blah. And it like the rhetoric is actually like not really proven to be true. Um, it's almost like <laughs> there's actually there's actually research that found that like in general, older generations will call younger generations entitled, right? But they might not use that same word. So they might say something like, you know, um, back in my day, we had to work a lot harder to get where, to get to that position, right? But the evidence of the situation is not necessarily that that's true. So millennials are actually like quite responsible. They, they've more careful with money. They smoke less, they drink less. Um, they are more likely to have health insurance. And if you look at like millennials pre COVID in like the context that they were raised in, um, they were raised in, um, and it depends like, cause they could have like, uh, parents who were in the boomer generation or in Gen X. So my parents are in the Gen X generation, um, Gen X generation, Gen X, my parents are Gen X. Um, but some millennials have parents who are also baby boomers. And if you look at the context of how, um, those generations were raised, now at Mickey D's, when you buy any crispy chicken sandwich or quarter pounder with cheese, you'll get a free medium fry and free medium drink when you order on the app. So do you have the app? How are you going to get this deal if you don't have the app? I know you have a phone. Anywho, if you have the app, enjoy your free fries and drink. If you don't, you can't see me. But know that I'm shaking my head. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Limited time only. I participate in McDonald's. Valid one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required. How should you plan for when your home becomes too small? Or when the next one gets too big? At Sandy Spring Bank, we're here to help create personalized solutions for financing your home loan. Whether it's a new home or refinance, renovation or addition, fixer-upper or new build. Banking is a conversation. Let's talk about your mortgage. Visit sandyspringbank.com slash mortgage. Mortgage, home equity, and other credit products offered by Sandy Spring Bank, equal housing lender. And what was happening at the time is very different. Like, for instance, like free education for baby boomers in, in Australia, plus um, way more access to the property market, right? So not getting a house till you're in your 30s as a millennial is it's not because like we're spending money on avo on toast. Like that was a complete myth, right? Um, it's because it's a lot harder to get into the market. It takes a lot more years to actually buy a property, like to save a deposit to get a property takes a lot more years. So it's not that we're like, oh, like, you know, I just, I'm so irresponsible and I'm so entitled. Um, I'm not going to buy a house. You know, I'm just going to live in my, at my parents' place. It's like, there's no options. There's not really any options, you know? And um, I just think that there's this myth around like when we don't like someone's behavior or someone's like maybe having some boundaries, right? We tend to call them entitled. So for instance, if I said like to someone and, you know, I've had these interactions with clients, like if I, if I push back, right, 
on people, they could take it as in like, oh yeah, I'm stepping on that person's boundaries, but that's uncomfortable, right? So if, you know, let's use a non-work example first, right? Someone work, walks up to me in a bar and I'm like, hey, look, I'm, I'm not interested. I'm not interested. That's like rejection, right? So that person could be like, okay, they're not interested. And if they're, you know, not insecure, if they've got good mental health, if they're, you know, in a good position in terms of their self-esteem and confidence, they're just like, okay, I'm not that person's type. All good. Like, thanks. Thanks for letting me know, right? Um, But the more likely scenario is that like when we get, no one likes to be rejected. (laughs) So if we're feeling a bit insecure or we're having a bad night or whatever it is, then it's like, we could end up being quite rude to someone for just having boundaries, right? Or what we tell ourselves, the story we tell ourselves is quite different. So it could be, we could act out, we could react, we could say something like, well, fuck you then. Like, what's your problem? You know, you seem like a stuck up bitch, right? If we were going on the really reactive end, Uh, who do you think you are rejecting me, right? Or we could um, tell ourselves a story like, oh, like it's because I'm ugly, it's because I'm bad, it's because I'm horrible, Um, I'm never going to find anyone, you know, I really like this person and like they just completely rejected me. Um, And we could also blame it on them again, but just internally like, like that's really rude. That's really rude that that person's like, who who does she think she is, right? Okay, actually I did, you probably heard, I did have to edit that because I'm trying to think of examples of like, how that situation relates to the workplace situation. I think it's like, so say, you you know, a new employee is hired, they're a millennial um, and they're being asked to work late, right? Or they're being asked to work through their lunch break. Now, in, from my perspective and from a lot of people's perspectives, um, you are entitled at work to have breaks and you are entitled to not have hours and hours spent after work working, right? Um, Entitled, again, the fact of having the right to something, you have the right to freedom. You have the right to your own time. You're not owned by the company. That's not a bad thing to want to be treated well, right? This is what I started off saying at the beginning. Wanting to be treated well is completely legitimate. So going back to someone and saying, oh, I'm really sorry, like I, I know that this work's important, but I can't work late tonight. What do I need to shift around to make sure that I can meet the deadline for this particular priority, right? So you're pushing back. Now, you have the right to do that, but some people might go, really, who does she think she is? I've, I'm her boss and I've asked her to stay back and work late. She's entitled, so entitled, because it's a lot harder to go, maybe I'm putting an unfair expectation on someone, right? That's like the person who walks away and goes, oh, that person um, just isn't into me, whatever, right? Like no, no biggie. Like this person, instead of like thinking about, or, you know, I mean, in the dating sense also, sometimes people are actually like pricks. Like they're really like, they come away too strong. They're almost like sexually harassing you just like by when they meet you. That behavior is not okay. And it's okay to have boundaries. Hey, what are you doing? Back off. It's okay to do that, right? It's okay to have boundaries. But if the other person doesn't have good boundaries, 
they might not see that. And I'm saying this as someone who's really struggled with boundaries. That's always been a big issue of mine. And I've worked very, very hard on making them better. And I continue to work hard on making it better. So it's very salient for me. But like saying to someone, no, this isn't okay. This isn't how you get to treat me is not, it's not entitled in the way that we've come to use it. It is entitled, but it's entitled in a good sense. It's saying, I have the right to be treated well. That's not bad. Why would we think that's bad? And I think this comes back to the thing of how we treat ourselves. Because if we think other people have the right to walk all over us, then we're going to also think about that in terms of how we think of other people. So if we're thinking it's okay, I, I worked 14 hours when I started. Well, should you have worked 14 hours a day when you started your profession? Or was that an unfair expectation as well? You know, if we were bullied, that doesn't mean that we can bully other people. And this is that thing, again, about passing things on, the collective culture that gets built up around these certain things. So with a toxic workplace, this can start to have, like with people who would otherwise maybe not treat people like that, now they've got this learned behavior, right, of, oh, if someone doesn't want to work back like late every day, if someone isn't contactable on their phone at 10 o'clock at night, if someone doesn't answer my 7 a.m. email immediately, then um, that's not okay. It's like the culture has made, it has, has cre- there's a toxic culture that we've accepted and we've gone, I'm not good enough to have boundaries or I'm um, not that I'm not good enough. To, I'm not good enough as a person to demand more I'm not going to take care of myself. And then we start to pass that on to other people too. It's okay if people treat me like shit, so it's okay if I treat people like shit. Or it's okay if I don't say anything when I see someone else get treated like shit, right? It's like that, it's it's sort of like we start to go, I'm going to fit into this workplace and if this workplace is toxic, I'm going to engage in this toxic behavior. And it's actually really hard not to do. Like I've been in those situations before as well where I'm like, I think that was actually a big driver for why I wanted to not work somewhere else because I didn't have the tools to have boundaries and I did want to fit in and I did feel insecure. And so then it was like, I'm, I'm in this situation that's making me behave in ways that I don't want to behave and bringing it back to the personal that can happen in relationships too. So like I've had to cut certain people completely out of my life because the way I was around them was like the worst version of myself. They just brought out the worst in me. And I was like, I don't want to feel like this all the time. This is exhausting. So I I need to get these people out of my life so I can behave in a way that I feel proud of, I feel good about myself. And the people around me are going to also be positively impacted by that. So let's talk now about some of the things that help us to identify if we're in a toxic workplace, right? And and help us to identify if we're engaging in behaviors that we're not proud of, you know? So one of the biggest ones, and this is kind of what we've been talk, talking about, is like shaming, right? So you can, it's it's relatively easy to control people by shaming them. And it's something that a lot of people with narcissistic personality disorder use. Um, there's actually a really great... Um, psych to go video about uh, the sort of signs of narcissistic people and I'll, I'll share it. Like obviously it's hard to like, you know, 
I can't, and unless you're qualified to diagnose someone with narcissistic personality disorder, like personality, personality disorder is very hard to diagnose, but recognizing narcissistic behavior and not tolerating it, that's a really important tool that we should all have. Um, so I'll put that video, um, I'll link that video, but so there's people who are consciously doing this, right? And if you've even got like one person who's consciously, um, using this to manipulate people, uh, so they're shaming people for like things that are per- like perfectly reasonable to do, right? Um, or they're bullying people, then it has this ripple effect, right? Like really quickly. So not engaging in some version of that then can become quite hard. But again, the per- so someone's doing it consciously. Someone's going, I'm actually consciously saying certain things to get my way and to control things as much as I can, right? So I'm going to tell that person that they're not good enough. I'm going to, I'm going to bring out um, their insecurities. I'm going to poke at them. I'm going to rubbish them. I'm going to put them down so that they don't feel like they deserve anything better. So that that's kind of trapped, right? That's a very narcissistic thing to do. Like I'm going to trap someone by making them feel so small. I'm going to make them feel really small. I'm going to really boost myself up like I'm amazing. And then I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do to all of my colleagues, right? Or that's what I'm going to do to my team. Or that's what I'm going to do to my partner. Um, so being able to recognize that and go, okay, you can't change the narcissist, right? <laughs> you can't change a narcissist. Um, it's, and that this is part of like what, what can lead to like a drama triangle type relationship where it's like you're trying to rescue the person and they're playing the victim. You know, like, oh, it's so hard. Like life's so hard. I just really wish you could do this. And you're kind of going like, I can help you. I can, I can take that on. That's no worries, right? And you end up sort of being in this drama triangle situation. I've, I've done a video on that, so I'll, I'll put that uh, link in here too. Um, really, really toxic. Um, the other thing that can happen is like um, you can kind of have people trying to confuse you. So um, it's like, say if you were really clear about something, really clear about um, this is what's expected of me, this is what I'm going to do, but you don't write it down, you know. Um, There's people who are just genuinely confused, you know, who forget things and go, oh, like, um, oh, did you say that? Oh, I didn't realize. Oh, you must have said that. I just forgot. So sorry, you know, whatever, that's normal. But if you have people who are like, and if it's, it's certain people in particular, and right, this can happen whether you're in a remote workplace or in a in a physical workplace. If someone's trying to confuse you on purpose and go like ah, oh, or act confused um, to get out of something to make you look bad in front of other people, um, that's another sign that like you're around someone toxic or you're in a toxic workplace. So it could also be that you have a few people doing that, right? Um, the thing I guess with that we need to be aware of in the remote situation with things like shame and with things like um, uh, confusion 
is that we've also got the problem of things not necessarily having witnesses. So if you've got like, like that, there's, it's, it, it, there's different ways of communicating, right? So if someone's on a Zoom call with you one-on-one and they're at home and you're at home and it's not being recorded, then you don't really have any proof that anything's happening, right? It's like, what do you have? And it doesn't have to be Zoom, it could be whatever. But like, if you don't have like, here's how this person is treating me um, and you're by yourself at home, that's putting your mental health like really under strain, right? Um, And then, you know, they act completely differently if it's in a group call. Um, Nothing's written down on email. So there's no way of like, proving, hey, this person's bullying me. This person's making me feel bad. Um, Where at least in a workplace, when you're in a physical workplace, it's a lot harder for people to do that unless they pull you aside into a room, right? Um, So if they pull you aside into a room by, by yourself, but then you've also still got like the public setting of being able to go like, oh, like, um, John, you want to pull me into a room? Should we bring Mark along to this as well? Do you think? you know, and if they're acting weird, other people are observing it. So you've kind of got like, it's, they're, they're in a different environment. So there's, there's a little bit more, there's different safety issues there, right? Um, There's different ways that we need to be protecting ourselves and how we can make sure that other people are around. It's, it's kind of harder, I think, in some ways to do that in a remote setting. Um, so, cause it's hard to go, like if someone just requests a last minute one-on-one meeting with you on zoom and you're at home, you can't, there's, there's no, it's not public, you know, there's no one else there. Um, and I think the other thing is, is then you also have like the lost in translation stuff of what's written. So for the things that are written, people be, can be quite careful with their words so that it, especially if they're trying to do on purpose, they can be quite careful with their words to make you look bad, right? They can actually be, um, you know, when we when we try to talk in text, we can be a lot more deliberate with what we're saying. So if someone's trying to catch you out, if someone's trying to um, manipulate you, control you, bully you, they can do that in different ways via text, via um, email, via other written communication methods than they can if they're, um, again, in like a public work setting. Not to say that people don't text and email in a normal workplace, you know, normal. Is it normal anymore to even say being in an office is normal? Maybe not. Um, So I think we just need to think about like how we're keeping ourselves safe and also what's in our control and what's not in our control, which I've talked about a few times, right? So if you're like, I didn't have any control over this person treating me like shit. There's nothing I can do. There's no way I can really get out of this. Then the question would be like, is it right for you to stay? You know, is it right for you to stay if like this is taking a toll on your mental health, especially if it's like when you're at home with people that you love and care about in that same situation, right? Because if you're in a setting where you're like, now I'm going to make my kid lunch and I feel like this, what sort of behavior are you modeling? What sort of things are they seeing? What does your, how does it affecting your partner? Because there's not that, if, you, if you've got a toxic workplace and you're in the workplace and then you leave and go home, sure, you're bringing some stuff home with you. 
but you've had maybe like an hour commute, you've had time to decompress, maybe you've talked to someone, had a little vent, and then you get home and you're kind of like, okay, I'm home, I'm in a safe environment, I can like compartmentalize things a little bit more and go, work shit, that person's shit, I can put up with it. It's fine. And this is what I mean about COVID exacerbating things, right? If you're at home and you're literally like having that kind of interaction and then turning around to speak to someone you care about, how is that potentially affecting them? And how is that also affecting you? Because if you're behaving like that, you're probably, if you're, you're behaving in a way that you're not proud of, if you're going like, oh, I'm really taking this out on my, my child or my spouse or, or my, my flatmate, then like, that's not going to be making you feel very good about yourself. And again, I'm saying that because I have had anger issues. Like I have like struggled through and learned a lot of tools to deal with anger. Um, but my anger did have a massive impact on other people because I was angry about all of these things. Like I said, I had some really toxic people in my life for a long time, right? So welcome to America, the land of junk sleep where it's bedtime, but you're double booked. Here, there's always one more deadline to meet, episode to watch, or meme to share. The world may not want you to sleep, but we do. Only the sleep experts at Mattress Firm can help you find the right bed at the right price. Unjunk your sleep. In-store or online at mattressfirm.com today. I, it came out and I was so much that I was angry about. And then it would just come out in these like, sort of like bizarre, unpredictable ways. And it was so unfair um, to people around me who were just going, I'm, I'm being nice to you. What, what's going on? And I just, I didn't have the tools to like deal with it, you know? Um, but the thing is, is like now that I've worked through so much of that, and of course I will continue growing and learning for the rest of my life. I want to do that. Right. But I'm like, oh, it feels so good to like actually be proud of my behavior. Like it feels so good to be, to look up to myself because I'm not in this constant reactive, angry, frustrated state. I'm actually quite calm and I feel quite at peace and I feel quite happy. And so it's so much easier for me to in difficult situations, in challenging situations, be kinder. Definitely don't always have it. I have flown off the handle like relatively recently. Um, There's certain things that I get very like (laughs) passionate about um, and I I can get angry, you know, especially with people that I'm really comfortable with. But like I'm so proud of how far I've come with that um, because I think I feel like there's so much more that's within my control because I've taken back control and I've gone, people don't get to treat me certain ways. And if they do, like I I have two choices, I either talk to them about it and we work through it or I don't have them in my life, right? There's lots of, there's lots of people. I don't have to have toxic people in my life. I don't have to put up with a toxic work environment. I don't have to put up. I am entitled, but in the best sense of being entitled, I recognize that I have the right to be treated well. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I feel no shame about that. And if someone's trying to make me feel shame about wanting to treat myself well and have boundaries, then that's a, that's a major red flag for me. If someone calls me entitled for wanting those things, I'm like, that's a big red flag because that it, it, 
entitled in the sense of how they're meaning it, really what they mean, it's, it's, they don't mean entitled, right? That's not the definition of entitled. I think what people mean when they're saying that, what they mean to be saying is, oh, how long have we gone for, by the way? Oh, okay, we're getting there. Um, I think what they actually mean to be saying is like, you think you get a free ride. That's what I think people are meaning when they say, like, you think you don't need to work hard. You think everything should just be served to you on a silver platter. You think you're better than all of us. I think that's what, I think that's what people are meaning now when they say, oh, people are, millennials are so entitled. I think what they're saying is like, oh, like you think you should just get everything for doing nothing. You know, you don't think that you have to, you know, um, work, work hard, learn things, be humble, you know, that, but I, I think we should be using a different word. You know, I think maybe we, or maybe we should be being, it's a catch-all word, right? It's not actually calling out a particular behavior. It's, it's, it's like selfish. Selfish is another, we used to hear that a lot more. You heard entitlement less and selfishness more. Oh, that person's so selfish. But I'm like, well, there's certain things, there's certain legitimate reasons to be selfish, right? Like, um, being completely selfless has its problems too. So again, like if I'm so selfless that I'm like not taking care of responsibilities, that's not okay. So we kind of are, we have to be selfish to survive, you know, like to feed ourselves, to feed our kids, to feed, uh, to, to, to put a roof over heads. Like, yeah, we, there's a certain element of like, you have to be somewhat selfish. Just, it's like, but it's not, it's a catch-all term. It's not a useful term. So what people I think often mean when they say something like that person's selfish is like that person doesn't think about anyone else. They don't think about how their behavior impacts other people, right? And it's a, so I think we should be more specific so that we're not falling into, because it becomes blurred lines then where someone's like shaming someone for just wanting to take care of themselves and their family. Someone's shaming someone for just having boundaries. That's not okay. So these, these catch all like overused cliche statements about someone isn't helpful. It doesn't change anything. It's just like something we say almost for the sake of saying it. You know, I think we need to be um, and I, I'm just having a little rant now. I think <laughs> a lot of this stuff is like me just ranting, I've realized, but I realized I have more time to fill. So maybe, maybe that's why. So we, we've been going for an hour. I'll go for a little bit longer. Um, and then, and then we'll kind of finish up, but, um, we talked a little bit about like, what does, what, what, a, what a toxic workplace looks like, but maybe let's just spend a few minutes talking about like, what a toxic workplace looked like pre-COVID and then what a toxic workplace looks like now. So I actually did a fantastic interview with Tulsi Vandergraaff. I've had her on, um, I've interviewed her a few times. I've had her on the show, I think twice, once in an interview and once she just kind of, um, it was one of the like sort of panel shows I did. Um, she talked a bit about, um, toxic workplaces and and challenges arising in during COVID. Um, she's amazing. I highly recommend checking out um, what she does in terms of workplace conflict resolution and things like that. 
Um, but what we kind of talked about a lot and what Tulsi explained to me was we were talking about um, in the initial interview that I did with her, which might have even been on my other show, we talked about sort of red flags and a lot of the toxic workplace stuff we were talking about a person behaving in an unacceptable way and then the ripple effect that that had, you know, someone chucking a tantrum, someone bullying um, and how that can really impact the work environment and it can really reduce productivity as well, right? Like it has a big impact in so many ways. Um, But again, it's like it's sort of – I think the thing is it's contained, right? It's like it's bad and I don't think it's okay and I think that a toxic workplace, whether it's a remote situation or in a in a uh, office, needs to be dealt with, right? But at least with the contained situation of the physical location, you would have relief because it'd be like, oh, okay, I'm going home, I'm shutting off my emails, I'm shutting off my phone, that's it, done. I'm going to go, I'm going to change environments, which we know has a big impact on our mood, our behavior. Changing environments is hugely helpful. So I've got an out of the office of the day, I'm going somewhere where I feel safe and loved and happy. And I can have a nice night, make a good dinner and chill out and just decompress, right? So it's, there was this difference in the way that we, we kind of had this, like, it's not good, but I can get away from it. Now, what I wonder is like, with not, it, with it being harder to escape in some ways, right? Because it's like the environment's blended. So even if it's like you have, you have less FaceTime, with a person who's behaving that way or you have less face time with a company that has a toxic culture, you know, like you can escape into your own place. It's also kind of like seeping into our private world, right? So that's, it's like now there's associations with feeling that feeling and being in your kitchen or being in your own space. You're in your own space and now you've got all of these feelings And so it's almost like it can be triggering, right? Like our environment is triggering. So, you know, if you're in a toxic workplace, sometimes you can feel like you go into work and you get this feeling of like dread. It's like the smells. It's it's almost like you're getting traumatized a bit. So like the actual environment is affecting how you feel. And you, you might smell something and actually feel like that rising anxiety. Um, you might hear someone's voice and you'll feel that you step into the office and all, all of the things surrounding you are triggering you, right? And you're like, I'm not in a safe place. But if you're at home, what does that mean for us? If you're at home and you can smell your home smells and you're in your home environment, what does that mean for, is it, is it now that we're potentially in a toxic workplace environment? that's our home, we're actually feeling unsafe more. And I don't know the answer to that. Like that's just a question for us to think about. And is it becoming more important because we're under more strain, because our mental health is more at risk, is it becoming um, like more obvious that we need to leave a toxic work environment, right? So like the silver lining of that could be, I could put up with a bad situation before. Now it's too much. It's affecting the people I love. I can really see that I'm going to leave. So is it making, is it forcing us to like 
in a critical time, prioritize things differently in a way that we benefit from? Or is it that for a lot of us, it's just like taking more of a toll? And it's like, maybe we're in a position where we're telling ourselves it's too hard, um, making excuses for people like it's COVID, that's why like they're being a dick, whatever. I'll just like put up with it. Um, but it's actually taking way more of a toll um, on us physically and emotionally. So just some things to think about there. And I think, yes, we do need to be um, aware of the fact, like if we've got someone who's like been, uh, you know, in our, in our workplace, if we're, we've got someone who we've worked with for five years, never been a problem. And then now it's like, oh, this person's acting out in weird ways or they're, they're doing things like, I'm not okay with being treated like that, but this person's never done this before, then that might be more like a, a flag to go, this person's not okay. Maybe I should check in with them. Maybe I should like reach out to them, pull them aside and kind of go, what's going on? Because maybe it's that their mental health is depleted and like I said, they're being affected in other ways and it's getting passed on. But if it's like, no, this person's always being a narcissist or this person's always been a bully. This person's always done these things and now it's just taking more of a toll because I'm in a different environment. I'm in my home that I can't leave. Um, then it's might, it's probably, I would say in that case, it's just giving you more of a reason to explore other opportunities because I don't, it, with some, like that person can't change until they decide that something needs to change. So um, it's like, what do we do, right? Like if, it, if that's having a massive impact, should we just stay and put up with it? Um, if Especially if they're people that we're coming into contact with all the time. It's like, do you deserve better? Does your family deserve better or your flatmate or your friends? Do they deserve better? And is this having a, an effect on you and them? Um. So, yeah, that's kind of, I think, pretty much it, it for me. Um, one other thing I was going to say is just like I think sometimes we talk about the extreme bad to make the okay okay. So, you know, I, I've seen, I've had friends do this, right? They go like they were in such bad relationships or they were in such a bad workplace that if something is like relatively okay, they're like, I'll put up with this, right? Because it's like, well, it's not as bad as like what it was like in that situation. I can totally tolerate this, right? Um, this is way easier. This is this is fine. Um, I think that's that's a problem too, right? It's like, and it's almost like harder to see, you know. So being in a okay relationship being in an okay workplace it's like we can start to use that thing of like someone else has it worse than me you know um really like my life's not that bad and I think we need to be careful about when we apply that so I have on this show talked before about how I find that helpful to cope with certain things that are happening so when I look at like my life and, you know, being in lockdown and stuff, I'm like, it doesn't feel that honestly, I'm, I'm so privileged. Like I'm so lucky 
that I'm just like, it's not, it's really not that bad. Like, and I know it's got an end. I know this is not like going to be the rest of my life unless like, I mean, something happens to me in the next, you know, few months um, or even few years, right? Like, unless I'm like, I'm 31, I'm healthy. I'm not anticipating on leaving this earth anytime soon. I'm like, you know, there's going to be other challenges. There's going to be other things that happen. I'm not like, I'm in a privileged position right now. I'm, I'm very, very lucky. And in that situation, it is helpful for me to go like, yeah, there are a lot of people that have it a lot worse. And this really is very manageable. And that's helpful for me, right? Because either way, I'm, I'm still in the same situation. I can't change the circumstance. I can't just vanish lockdown. So that's helpful. But for things that we can change that are having a ma- major impact, I don't think that way of thinking is as helpful, right? So like if we're kind of going, this is having a really big emotional and mental toll, I'm waking up dreading going to work, I'm waking up miserable, the only person, like the person who's most affected is you, right? And then other people, like I said, around you. But in that case going, well, at least I have a job, it's not as helpful, right? Because it's like, but there's, you can just get another job. Right. And, and look, I know, again, that's coming from a privileged position. Some people can, some people can't, but we can make a plan for a change, right? Like, okay, maybe I can't get a job next, a new job tomorrow, but I can make a plan to change things. I can go and talk to HR. I can go and do what is going to be my, this is a problem that I want to be changed. And I have, um, a locus of control here right? There are things that I can do. I don't know that it's helpful to start thinking about the situations that other people are in. Oh, but this person, they put up with a toxic workplace for 10 years and I've only put up with it for five years. So really I don't have that much to complain about. It doesn't really, it doesn't really stand up. It's not really logical because like, why are you putting up with it at all? You don't have to, right? Um, so I think again, that it's not entitled for wanting to be treated well right? It's not entitled to want that. Um, and yeah, I just think, I think it's a, um, it has to be taken case by case. Like, you know, your situation, I know my situation, like we need to really look at it and go, what would I want for the other person that I, another person that I love? When we think about it like that, like, would you be telling your best friend, your partner, your, your child, would you be telling them, oh, someone has it worse than you? You know, you should just put up with it. So that's it from me for today. I hope you enjoyed the double episode. Um, we went in lots of different directions. Let me know what you think. If you have any feedback for me, if you like this, if you didn't like this, if you have questions, um, you can message me on LinkedIn. You can connect with me on Twitter. Uh, I don't really go on Twitter that much. It seems a bit toxic, actually, speaking of toxicity. I think we'll, I'll have to do a separate episode actually talking about the whole word of toxic because that in of itself is almost like another rabbit hole of definitions and what does that mean. So, um, yeah, I've got some ideas for upcoming content. But uh, if you like this, if you found it useful, please consider sharing it with your friends, family, colleagues, whoever you think would find it useful. Um, 
And until next time, remember that stepping into your power will make the world a better place. Cheers, guys. Oh, we could, we could fly. This is your summer. That means Six Flags in the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. We're talking thrilling coasters, delicious burgers, yes. real moments together, and this. Coke is summer refreshment when you need it most, so you can hop on another ride or race down a slide at the water park. Six Flags and Coca-Cola. Come make it yours. Visit sixflags.com slash Coke to save up to $20 on passes, plus daily tickets starting at $34.99. Yeah.